0: Five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior Podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior Podcast. My name is Dee Moore and I am a kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, related chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. In today's episode, I will be sharing my experiences, observations, and commentary of being a hospital inpatient December 2023 into January 2024. Hi, Kidney Warriors and friends, Dean Moore here. Welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. It's been a long time since I've shared a podcast in this way where it's just me talking rather than featuring an interview. And in fact, out of the 102 episodes that have been released today, there's only actually two episodes where it's just me talking and that is Episode one, where I share my kidney warrior story and episode 28, where I share about my near-death experience. And so, yeah, I've had the privilege of interviewing so many amazing health professionals and kidney warriors on the podcast. And I really wanted to take the time today to share about my patient experience just to explain for my listeners who don't follow me on social media. Unfortunately, I was admitted to hospital in December, 2023, and this was due to fluid on my lung. And for those of you who don't know, I started peritoneal dialysis in August of 2023. And over the Christmas period in December, 2023, unfortunately, peritoneal dialysis fluid leaked from my peritoneum onto my lung and that caused severe breathing difficulties. And I was admitted to hospital and I had to change from peritoneal dialysis to hemodialysis because of this. I will be sharing about my peritoneal dialysis experience in my Diary of a Kidney Warrior vlog, which will be available on YouTube and social media platform so please do check that out so today on the podcast i really wanted to share my patient experience as i said being in the hospital was quite an experience and it actually makes me think of when i became a kidney warrior and i was in the hospital from august to october of 2018 and it's quite interesting to See how many things were so similar, not in a good way, to when I was in hospital back then. I want to start though by acknowledging the hard work of hospital staff, staff shortages, NHS pressures, less people coming into the profession, lots of challenges to deal with. So I know that there are so many challenges to deal with, but I also know that it is important to talk about things that maybe need improvement or need to be recognised and addressed. And this really is my personal observations and commentary and a kind of digital open letter, so to speak, of what it's like to be an inpatient on a ward. The first thing that I think is important to consider is that being admitted to hospital and becoming an inpatient can be like starting a grieving process. Now, the psychologist Elizabeth kubler ross described the five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And this really is so similar to the roller coaster of emotions that you go through when you're first admitted to hospital. For many patients, there's so many things that Has suddenly been ripped from them. So many things that they may be worried or concerned about. They may be the main breadwinner of their home. They might be self-employed, and so for any amount of time that they're in a hospital, they're not being paid. So they're thinking about how are their bills going to be paid. They may have young children. Who's going to take care of them? They may not have a strong community network for them to have their children taken care of. And so their children may even be taken into temporary foster care to be looked after while they're in the hospital. They're concerned about that. They may have pets that need to be taken care of. They might be worried about the safety of their home being broken into, that the home is secure while they're away. They might be concerned about The loss of autonomy that may be a really independent person and not being able to take care of themselves is a, a complete nightmare for them. There's so many different things that this individual, when they become a patient, is having to deal with all at the same time, other than the actual sickness that they're dealing with. And for people like me, where The first time I was in hospital, they didn't know what was wrong with me. The doctors can't even tell you what's going on. So there's so much that's going around in your mind and in your head as an inpatient. I think people really need to consider the impact that that has on you. It is impossible to get rest when you're in the hospital, there's the noise of the machines. There's lights being switched on in the middle of the night or in the early hours of the morning. Being woken for observations, having blood tests, having your blood pressure measured, etc, etc. Health professional conversations or observations done with other patients on the wards. Conversations between staff in the corridor, speaking very, very loudly, etc, etc, etc. And all of these different things are going on, and you're not able to sleep, you're not able to rest. And when you take into consideration how long people are in hospital, and you're not getting a decent amount of sleep or rest for days, turning into weeks, maybe even you're in the hospital for months at a time. Imagine the impact that that has on the way that you feel, in addition to the sickness that you're also having to deal with. Bedside manner matters. Now, my first morning in the hospital, I was abruptly woken up at 5 to 6 a.m. by a member of staff who barked orders at me to get on the scale to be weighed. Now, this individual didn't introduce themselves or say good morning or anything like that. They just simply barked orders at me, which is a really horrible way to start the day and be spoken to. And I challenged the individual for doing so. But the point is how you are woken, how you are spoken to makes or breaks how you feel. It makes such a difference to your experience of Being in the hospital, it is so important to have that sensitivity. And while on the subject of sensitivity, there was a doctor who clearly was trying to be sensitive, but clearly was struggling to do so. And when I asked her a question about my medical situation, the answer that she gave me was quite upsetting. And so naturally, I cried. And so she then said, well, the reason why is because you asked the question. That's why I gave you the answer. And I mean, that was completely unnecessary. I'm a human being. If I hear bad news, I'm going to cry. It is what it is. But while I was still upset, this same doctor by my bedside, then went on to the computer and they made a telephone call to talk about another patient while I was there, still upset. Now, this was so completely insensitive and inappropriate. And really, there was no reason why the doctor couldn't have gone somewhere else to make this telephone call and have this conversation. And for me, why are doctors having conversations about other patients in front of patients? I just can't get my head around that. But yes, your bedside manner matters. It matters when we're given medication. Now, I had the same experience back in 2018 as an inpatient. Now, I take different medications and some medications have to be taken an hour before food. And some of the medications I take have to be taken with food. Now, I'm the type of person that does read the inserts on my medication. So I'm really fussy about that. And what happened was that my medication would arrive an hour after breakfast. And so I was in the position of basically having to eat my breakfast cold to ensure that I was taking my medication correctly. Now, when I asked the medical staff about this, I was told well, it doesn't matter. Well, the point is it does matter because the medication isn't absorbed properly depending on whether you eat food or not. And so it really does matter. And I think this is something that really needs to be taken into consideration that different types of medication that people are on does it need to be taken on the empty stomach. And if it does, The medication should be given an hour before breakfast so that you can take your medication, have your breakfast warm at the correct time, and be able to get the full benefit from that medication. Communication matters. Now, be aware that as an inpatient, you've got nothing else to do, you've got nowhere else to go. And so, You're sitting there and you're waiting for this communication. You're waiting for blood results and test results and all the different things that are going on. And even if it's just a case of letting the patient know the results aren't back yet, that can do so much to alleviate anxiety and stress. And drawing on my experience, when I was in the hospital, I continuously asked throughout the weekend, when my surgery was going to take place. And I didn't get any confirmation as to what day that was going to be until the porter literally turned up. And this was after I'd had my breakfast to take me to surgery. At that point, I didn't even have the opportunity to take a shower yet. And yet the porter had turned up to take me for the surgery. And the reality is the surgery, I wouldn't be able to shower immediately after the surgery. And so there is different things to take into consideration. And I think it's not just about the surgery itself. And there's the practical preparation, there's the psychological preparation that has to go on within you as a patient to say, this is coming up. You come to terms with it. You go through that grieving process of I have to have this surgery. It's not necessarily surgery that I want to ever have had which in my case I never wanted to be in the position of having to have a tunnel line and so for me this was the absolute worst nightmare situation and so to not be communicated with and not to be given that confirmation and literally finding out when the porter turned up to take me down for the surgery was absolutely diabolical. And communication really, really is so important and makes all the difference in terms of, like I mentioned before, psychologically coming to terms with everything. You know, emotionally, how you feel and practical preparation, communication absolutely matters. The machine is alarming for a reason. Now, as health professionals, you may be so used to these noises that it almost becomes like white noise, something that you filter out. But for a patient, these alarms can be anxiety inducing. It makes it so difficult to sleep or rest while this machine is alarming and alarming and alarming and alarming and alarming. While I was in the hospital, it happened on a daily basis where machines would be alarming for absolutely ages before a member of staff would investigate and do anything about it. And that makes it, again, so difficult to rest, so difficult to get any sleep. And something really needs to be done to address this because, like I said in the beginning, the machine's alarming for a reason and it shouldn't just be left save your vein. I was unpleasantly surprised, given that I was on a renal board, that the phlebotomists would go directly for my elbow crease when doing blood tests. And I actually had to stop them and say, no, I want my blood test taken through the back of my hand. And the reaction I was given by several phlebotomists was, oh, well, you know, it's more painful to go through the back of the hand then through the elbow crease, that's why I'm, I'm still reaching for my elbow crease while they were saying that. I said to them, no, from my own experience, I know that it isn't more painful to go through the back of the hand. And I was actually really, really disappointed that they took this stance, given the fact that, especially at this late stage of my kidney warrior journey, where these veins literally need to be protected and future-proofed, Because they could be used one day to form a fistula, which would literally be my lifeline for dialysis. I was so, so disappointed that they weren't prioritizing my veins the same way that I was. And so the Save Your Vein campaign absolutely needs to be pushed more. And phlebotomists, the people that are doing the tests in hospital, need to be. The front runners for vein preservation. People should be encouraged to be protecting their veins because, as I've said on the podcast before, they're literally your lifeline. As a dialysis patient, they're your lifeline and they need to be protected. More needs to be done to raise awareness because imagine your veins getting damaged so close. To when they're going to be needed. So it is so important to save your veins. We, as patients, are impacted and affected by what happens on the ward to other patients. We have the opportunity to build relationships with the other patients on the ward. We spend so much time together, we can become quite close to. The other patients on the ward in a very short space of time, and when things happen to them, it affects us. The lady that was in the bed opposite to mine took a turn for the worst during the night, and they were working on her and we heard absolutely everything we were impacted by that. It was really, really upsetting for all of us, sadly. She later passed away and the curtains were drawn and she was still there. Nobody came around to ask us if we were okay, if we wanted to go to a different location until the body had been taken to the mortuary how professionals might be used to death but we as patients aren't and I really think that there needs to be more sensitivity and understanding around that we are affected too we care about the other patients that are around us too and when these things happen it really does have an impact on us treat the curtains like a door. When the curtains are drawn around your bed, it creates a space that gives you a little tiny piece of autonomy within the hospital, a space of your own, so to speak, like a bedroom. And so in the same way that it wouldn't be acceptable to just open the door and go into somebody's room without knocking the door and announcing yourself, if the curtains are drawn, then you should make your presence known and ask whether it's okay for you to come in. The person may be in a state of undress and changing their clothes and you just walk in on them. Dignity completely out the window. It's not a nice situation to be in. And so a simple thing like, hello, saying your name, you're here to see them, letting them know, and not just walking in can make all the difference and uphold their dignity. The magic curtain, or is it? Now, while closing curtains visually upholds a patient's dignity, closing curtains in of itself does not create a soundproof space. So when health professionals are discussing patients' personal, private medical business many health professionals behave as if by simply closing the curtains, everything that they say cannot be heard. And the truth is that it's not. You can hear very clearly when people are speaking loudly within that space, when the curtains are drawn. And I really think that this is totally unacceptable. We have rights to keep our medical business private and At the end of the day, that should be respected whether we're on a ward in the hospital or not. A responsibility should be on every health professional that when they are speaking behind those curtains on the ward, that they should be speaking at a volume that they cannot easily be heard by others. It's not a magic curtain, and it isn't soundproof. So... These are my experiences, observations, and commentary of being a hospital inpatient. And I really hope that by me sharing about my experiences, that you found this informative and useful. And I recommend all kidney worries share about your experiences. And the best way that you can do this is by responding to the next kidney prem survey. Now, Prem stands for patient reported experience measures and it's a way for all units to understand how their patients think they are performing. The results for 2023 are due out in the next month or so and then the survey will be open again later this year. Please take the time to complete the survey so that your unit and kidney team can see what they need to do more of and where they can make improvements. You can find out more about PREM via the link that I've put in the podcast episode description box. So please let your voice be heard and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope and love.